the city of Urban Town. Despite the crime and corruption which infest the streets, the citizens of this bustling metropolis sleep soundly at night, knowing they are protected by two great defenders of truth and justice. He is Detective Danger, a cunning master of mystery and illusion. She is the Amazon, an ancient warrior of nearly limitless power. As they seek to defend the citizens of this fair city from the forces of darkness, they are comrades in arms. In their everyday life, not so much. This episode, The Ten Pests. If you've ever read a comic book, listened to a children's program on the radio, or basically lived the kind of life which doesn't involve living with your head buried in the sand, then what I'm about to say is not news. True bravery is not a lack of fear, it's the act of carrying on, even when you are afraid. For the record, this is true, and in case you're under the age of ten, so is the bit about eating green veggies. In fact, let me go on record as saying that mom's usually right about everything, and the stuff she's wrong about probably isn't worth arguing over. Fine, I've now placated the parental set, so let's get back to the bravery thing. I will humbly submit to you that... Working in the superhero business, I'm something of an authority on bravery and its necessary cousin, fear. If I were to sit here and regale you with all the times I've had to soldier bravely on whilst consume with soul-crushing terror, well, let's just say I hope your seat is comfortably padded. In any case, before I find myself traveling off on yet another tangent, here is my point. If there is one thing I have learned while wearing a mask... It's that doing what needs to be done, despite your fear, is all well and good. But here's the real question. In those moments where your very essence is paralyzed with fright, is that really the best time to blindly keep doing... anything? This might make a little more sense if I set the scene a bit. It was... a dark and stormy night. What does the map say again? I'm pretty sure the map is saying, Haha, suckers, I've lured you into my dastardly trap. B, you're not helping. Turn right here, honey. There is no right turn here. Is there a left turn? No. If we can't turn right and we can't turn left, then why are you asking for directions? I'm trying to figure out if I need to turn around. Keep going straight, Claude. You sure? No, but I'm sure that if he tries to turn this boat around will be caught in a ditch. Then I will have to get out in the pouring rain and push, and then B will say something appropriately smart-aleck-like, and I'll have no choice but to beat the lot of you about the head and shoulders with a tire iron. You really missed your calling as a cruise director, you know that? Mm. Hey, is that a road sign up there? I think so. Slow down, honey. I think it says Hathaway Drive. Great! So where's that? Um... Unless I miss my guess, the answer is... Not on the map. Okay. Sorry, guys. It looks like we're not going to make it to that restaurant. Are you sure? You really wanted to see how good that sous chef was. If he's any good, I can try and steal him away next week. I can barely see the road tonight. This is dangerous. No. Dangerous is keeping me and Benny in the back seat with low blood sugar. Sorry, guys. If we pass by that burger joint we saw earlier, it's my treat. I'm going to try and turn around here. What in the world? Did you just hit a tree? 
I'm guessing no on that, particularly given that whatever we hit seems to have run away. It was probably a deer. Lucky we weren't going very fast. Awfully big for a deer. Well, in these woods, it could be a bear, I guess. It was a fish! Okay, what? Or a lizard, or something. I saw scales. Don't be silly, hero. I'm not. I saw them in the headlights. A giant fish? That's... Before you say that word that rhymes with Jim's tossable, you should probably examine the record, little brother. Was your wife right that time she told you the seemingly innocent cleaning woman was actually a robot? Or the time she told you not to open the door for the encyclopedia salesman who turned out to be Dr. Anaconda? Though, to be fair, the advice was still sound for an ordinary encyclopedia salesman. Granted. I think my favorite is still... Wait, that's not a gargoyle. It's a baboon in a jetpack. That was good, but I kind of like the line, Can you please propose to me instead of the android next time? Oh, look at you pulling out the sappy card. I win, don't I? Mm. Okay, okay, okay. Hero is more observant than I am. Not to mention smarter, prettier, and less likely to walk blindly into a death trap. I get it. So, sweetie, if you say I just hit a giant mackerel, that's what I just hit. Any guesses what it was doing out here in this weather? When the rain's coming down like this, there's only one thing any creature is doing in it. What's that? Trying to find a way out of it. Knock louder. What? Knock louder. They might not be able to hear you over the... What? I think I just saw a light. Can I help you? Do you have any rooms available? Excuse me? Rooms. The sign at the end of the lane said this was the Hotel Stratford. Mm, you better come in. Thanks. I think I saw animals walking two by two. Before we go too much further, I should explain there's been some mistake. This building hasn't been a hotel for almost 40 years. But the sign? The sign is a historic landmark. Due to a fire in the 1800s, the sign is actually older than the house. I'm very sorry for the confusion. No, no, we're sorry to disturb you so late. Can you give us directions to a hotel or even just a restaurant? Relax, young man. Only a true monster would send you out into this weather. I've got some spare rooms. You're welcome to stay here. That's very generous of you. Just don't expect a mint on any pillows. We couldn't put you out like that, Mr... It's Doctor, actually. Doctor Sparrow. Wait. Doctor Sparrow? Professor Sparrow? They used to call me Prof, but yes. Don't I know it. I was in your basic biology class. You were? I'm sorry, I don't remember you specifically. I had so many students. He was probably the one snoring in the back row. Oh, not likely. Fall asleep in Prof Sparrow's class, and you were likely to wake up with a python crawling up your pant leg. I only brought the python out on special occasions. Just so happens there was a lot of special occasions? Mm, Something like that, I suppose. Your friend said you were looking for a restaurant. I I take it you haven't eaten? Well, no, but we couldn't impose Speak for yourself, martyr boy. If he's offering, I'm imposing. No imposition at all. I tend to eat late myself. Uh, Miranda, dear. Yes, father? We're coming. Did you... Oh... Now, don't get excited, dear. These people just got lost in the storm. They'll be staying the night. Go tell Stefano we're having guests for dinner. Uh... It's okay, Miranda. Come on, let's go. 
Freddy, you'd better call your mother before the phone lines go out. Tell her it's not safe for her to drive out here. You'll have to stay here tonight. Sure thing, Dr. S. I'll use the phone in the kitchen. Come on, Miranda. Oh, okay. You'll have to excuse my daughter. She's terribly shy around new people. Well, we hate to disturb her. Not at all. It's good to try and get her out of her shell. Once we're all at dinner, I hope she'll get used to you. Hey, we always grow on people. Oh, this sauce is exceptional. Stefano certainly knows his way around the kitchen. I'd hate to steal him from you, but if he ever needs a job, I'd hire him in a second. You need a cook? Not for my house, but for my restaurant. Two days ago, I got a letter of resignation from my sous chef, Calvin. (laughs) Miranda, wait! I'm terribly sorry. She's a very sensitive girl. Hey, that's not fair. Freddy, let's not make a scene. You act like you're ashamed of her. She didn't do nothing wrong with... You watch your tone, young man. I am definitely not ashamed of my daughter, but you know perfectly well this is not a subject which brings me any joy to speak about. If this is a private matter, you don't need to feel like... Don't you start judging her. You have no idea what she's been through. That's enough. Freddy, please go look in on Miranda. Make sure she's okay. Fine. Dr. Sparrow, this is obviously a very personal matter. You really don't need to... I appreciate it, Mrs. Zula, but as much as I don't like telling this story, it's a darn sight better than having you imagine all sorts of things that are probably worse than what actually happened. When I left the university to continue my studies out here in the country, I was worried about Miranda. I know you can't tell now, but she was always a social butterfly in the city, and I was worried she'd have trouble making friends. Of course, on her first day here, she met Freddy. They seem very close. Yes, well, I was a little worried they were seeing too much of each other. I guess that's why when Calvin Banyan and his gang started hanging out with Miranda, I didn't pay too much attention to what sort of kids they were. I'm guessing he's why Miranda reacted like that when we said the name. That's it, exactly. Calvin was the leader of a little gang of toughs. They thought they were big men. They called themselves the Ten Pins, but most of the parents called them the Ten Pests. Miranda started helping him with his homework to keep him from flunking out. I guess it was the only nice thing anyone ever did for him. He became obsessed with her, kept calling at all hours, hanging around at the end of the driveway. One night... He broke into the house, snuck into her room, and was just watching her sleep. Oh, that's so creepy. To say the least. Miranda woke up and started screaming bloody murder. I ran into her room, chased him out of my house with a baseball bat. The whole incident just freaked her out. Didn't do much good for my blood pressure, either. I assumed you called the police, and the young man has been studying his classes in Juvie Hall, then? I truly wish that were the case, but no... Calvin disappeared after that. No one has seen him since. I think that's been harder on Miranda than the break-in. That first night, she calmed down quickly enough that she was able to get some sleep. Ever since then, the nightmares are almost constant. How long ago was this? Mm, A little over a month ago. Sounds to me like Calvin's probably halfway to Arizona by now. I'd like to agree with you, Mr. Zula, but I don't know. I posed a similar theory to my daughter. She didn't say a word. All she did was start walking to the front door. When she got there, she pointed at the lock. And? I had gotten out of the habit of locking the door until the break-in, but I'd done it ever since. Someone had tried to pick the lock. The scratches were sloppy and pretty obvious if you were looking for them. 
I changed the lock. Bought a much more expensive one. I even asked the sheriff to come and check out the house and make some security recommendations. Any more scratches on the door? Scratches, yes, but not on the lock. Some animal has been trying to get into this house. I can't tell whether it's a bear or a mountain lion, but it's something with some fairly impressive claws. It's an unfortunate coincidence, as I can't quite convince Miranda that whatever it is, it's not Calvin trying to get back in the house. Anyway, that's about all there is to tell. Around Freddy, Miranda's almost like her old self, but when anyone else is around, she retreats into herself. If it weren't for my studies, I'd have pulled up stakes. What are you studying, Prof? Hmm? Oh, well, it's something pretty special now that you mention it. Why don't you finish your meal and we'll go take a look. It's interesting. I originally came here to study the frogs, which have a particularly vivid shading for this colder climate. But I came much more fascinated with a subspecies of minnow, which, so far as I can tell, exists only in these local streams. Here's my lab. Good evening, Professor. It's rather late for you, is it not? Uh, Professor, was there anything in that spaghetti sauce which could make a person start having hallucinations? Start hearing things like a seemingly ordinary piece of machinery talking to you? That sort of thing. You're not hallucinating, Benny. Everyone, allow me to introduce my lab assistant, Ariel. Ariel? Artificial Responsive Intelligence. English Language. And here I was thinking this was going to be boring. This is eerie. I am sorry, miss. I certainly do not intend to make you uncomfortable. Okay, the fact that the computer just apologized actually made it more creepy. I am not certain I can overcome that particular paradox. Have you any suggestions, Professor? Don't worry about it, Pat. You've done nothing wrong. This is amazing! You said it, little brother. Uh, Prof... How did you do this? You're a biologist, not a computer whiz. Oh, Ariel isn't my creation. I simply inherited her. After the boys in the computer programming department had gotten a look at the hardware and programming specs, they were ready to shut her down. I asked if I might make use of her instead, and they were more than happy to let me. After some modifications, of course. Wait, why of course? Well, uh... Exactly what was Ariel before she came to you? I was the central processing core for a 200-foot robot built by Dr. Sikorex. You're telling me she was the brain of a killer robot built by a supervillain calling herself the Techno-Witch? Your recall of detail is quite impressive. Okay, the freaky meter is hitting levels I didn't even know it had. You can all relax. Ariel has been thoroughly reprogrammed. No offense, Doc, but were you not paying attention to the term killer robot? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Ariel is no longer a killer. As a matter of fact, she can't be a killer. According to the computer geeks at the college, they programmed the respect for life directly into her central processing. And they did it with quintuple redundancies. Ariel would literally shut down and self-destruct before she could kill anyone. And it doesn't disturb you that they had to work that hard to get such an important concept across? I assure you, Ariel poses no threat whatsoever. We're perfectly safe. Dr. Sparrow! Dr. Sparrow! Freddy, what's going on? Was that Miranda screaming? She's okay, Doc, but... But Stefano's not. What's wrong with Stefano? He's... dead. As far as any of us could tell, Stefano, the cook, 
decided in the middle of the pretty severe downpour that he needed some more coal from the coal shed. I'm sure he thought to himself, eh, so I'll get a little wet. I'll survive. He was right about getting wet, but not about surviving. I guess as far as last thoughts are concerned, 50% right isn't bad. Consider that if the last thought you ever had is, I can safely pass the guy on the hill, then you're 100% wrong. In any case, you didn't have to be a detective to tell this was no accident. Not to go into too many details, but parts of him were no longer... attached. So, pop quiz time. You're in a remote house with lots of places to hide. There's an apocalyptic thunderstorm outside, and you've just discovered that someone in the house has been murdered. Of course, as always happens in these situations, the phone turns out to be just as dead as the murder victim. So, what do you do? Those of you who chose answer A, split up and look for clues, please make sure your last will and testament is in order before you go, because you won't be coming back. If you chose answer B, get in your car and take your chances with a storm, then I give you full marks for creative problem solving. Unfortunately, you're likely to find, as we did, that your car is sunken into the mud and not likely to be going anywhere. The correct answer is, of course, answer C. Get everyone into the most defensible room possible and make sure you can keep an eye on everyone, just in case the killer didn't really come in from the outside. This is the absolute best decision for keeping everyone alive and safe. Unless, of course, you are a superhero who thinks he can take care of this killer by yourself, if you could just find a way to slip away and not reveal your secret identity. Where do you think you're going, Hotshot? Just going to the can, B. Do you know that your nostrils flare when you're lying? My nostrils are not flaring. But you were checking yourself out in that mirror to make sure they weren't, and you wouldn't have had to do that if you weren't lying. Why is it you know I'm lying now, but not when I said I didn't mind if you joined us when we went to that restaurant? Oh, I knew you were lying. I just didn't care. <sighs> Relax, B. I've got my gun with me. Benny, let's pretend that instead of questioning why you feel the need to bring a gun everywhere, that I'm actually impressed with your preparedness. Let's further pretend that I think enough of your prowess with that forty-five that I'm reasonably sure you can handle yourself against any killer you could possibly run into. So, what's the problem? What if there are two killers? And come to think of it, what if it's not a person? You saw the marks. It almost could have been a bear. And, as impressively overcompensating as that Smith & Wesson is, people don't go bear hunting with a handgun for a reason. You did say it would be better if we all stuck together. I'm not sure I'm comfortable having a gun in my home, but I'm very uncomfortable with the idea that whoever's out there might get it. It's really not safe, Benny. Please, mister, don't go out there. All right. Jeez. Tiny Tim be coming out next? So you're staying? I'm staying. That's final. Except for one thing. Where's the kid? What? Freddy! He wouldn't. Sixteen-year-old kid? Point taken. Please, you have to find him. I'm on a kid. I'm coming with you. I have a gun. What are you planning to do? Hopefully not be shot by you. Please! Fine. Come on. The rest of you stay put. I don't need more targets to shoot around. Okay, so we don't know our way around the house, and the kid could be anywhere. Did you have a plan? I thought I'd follow that sound. Help! 
Sounds like a plan. Come on. Freddy, don't move. Oh, that looks like the giant fish Hero saw. Unless there's more than one. Hey, ugly! It's running away. You think you hit it? I missed it on purpose, just trying to scare it off. It's heading for the front door. Freddy, get back to the others and stay there. But now. now. Okay. Smart thing to do would be to go with him. Good thing we're idiots. This way. He could be anywhere in this rain. And in this weather, being part fish is a heck of an advantage. Not to mention that we'll never hear him coming in this downpour. Just keep your eyes peeled and whatever you do, stick close to me. Me? You're not behind me anymore, are you? All right. Well, I guess I'll take advantage of this privacy to turn on my light distortion matrix, and we'll bring Detective Danger to the party. Hey, good to see the guest of honor could attend. Nice try, Captain Halibut. But that's a hologram you're trying to claw through. Forty-five probably won't drop you, but three shots from my needle gun can drop an elephant. Come to think of it, it works a little better on warm-blooded critters. Slowed you down a bit, but you're still healthy and hale. <laughs> I should like to alter that state. Well, that's one way to handle that. Not that I don't appreciate being reduced to the second-string superhero, but uh, what are you doing here? I uh heard rumor of this beast, and I have been tracking it. You? Oh, well, my, uh, my, my pal Benny called me with a special watch I gave him. You got here quickly.、Uh, you know me. Good shot, by the way. Looks like you broke what I think might be his ribs. Shall I dispatch it? N- no. Look, I know slaying dragons is kind of what you do. But, but mysteries are what I do, and this still has me puzzled. It is a monster like a hydra. There is nothing to puzzle you. Uh-huh. So. Why did it come here? Plenty of deer in the forest. Why try so hard to get through doors which are usually locked? Now that I look a little closer, there's something even more interesting. What do you see? A couple of things. Scars around the arms, like it was restrained. These welts could have come from hypodermic needles. But most of all, it's wearing a belt. Let me turn this thing over. That buckle is not something a hydra normally wears, sister. You don't know how right you are. There you are. Where did you disappear to? When an eight-foot-tall ancient Greek warrior tells you to hide, you hide. She said something about your phantom pal. Oh, he's around, but he's letting me take point on this. You ready? Since I have no idea what you're up to, sure. Conquering heroes return. B, Benny, you're okay. What happened to the monster? The one you're talking about is out cold. I'm guessing he won't be up for a few hours at least. But there's another monster we have to deal with. What are you talking about? Miranda, come here a minute. Now, sweetie, I'm not trying to upset you, but I need you to tell me something. We found this belt. This. Buckle is in the shape of bowling pins, ten pins. 
This is Calvin's, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Miranda, it's all right. It's all right. I'm sorry, Prof. I said I wasn't trying to upset her. On the other hand, I was hoping to surprise her. What? She's not surprised. She didn't need to ask where we got that belt. She already knows. What is going on? I wasn't sure she'd know at all. I was hoping for her sake she didn't. What are you accusing her of? Dad, you better come with me. Miranda, where are you going? Down the hall to your lab. That's the room next to hers, right? Miranda! Come on. This is going to give me nightmares, isn't it? I'm going with yes, based on the look on Benny's face. Miranda, what's going on? Why did you come in here? Because this is where it all happened. Ariel, you still here? Indeed I am. I cannot leave, sir. How may I be of service? I'll get to you in a minute. Prof, after Calvin snuck in, did it strike you as odd that Miranda knew someone had tried to pick the lock? I... I thought she just noticed when she came in from school. I don't think so. Miranda knew about it because Calvin didn't just try to pick the lock. He succeeded. What? He came back, didn't he, Miranda? I wouldn't even want to try to guess what was in his head, but he did come back. Yes. I'm guessing, though, that he didn't know his way around too well. And since your door is next to the lab, he came in here first. That is correct. What? Mario, you never told me this. I certainly would have, Professor. I am programmed to tell no falsehoods. You simply never inquired. So young Calvin picked the wrong door and runs into a talking computer. He gets curious and walks in to learn more. But, Ariel, you knew what happened earlier that day, didn't you? My auditory sensors did pick up that information, yes. So you kept him busy. I'm guessing you somehow tricked him into standing near those clamps? I have remote control of them, as well as access to some of the sedatives the professor uses. And restraining and sedating a human doesn't count as harm in those redundant safeties in your head? Correct. But then what? Somewhere in that circuitry of yours, you probably felt protective of the professor and his daughter, but you couldn't do any harm to Calvin because he was human. So you took the next logical step. You tried to make him not be human. I infused his biological material with that of the professor's fish specimens. He became stronger, more powerful. That could certainly not be construed as harm. Dear Lord, no. That's about how I figured it. This next one is just a guess. Somewhere in that programming, somebody made it so that you couldn't define who is and... Who isn't human? That is correct. So, after you changed him, then the first human you saw, say a 16-year-old girl who heard some noise late in the night, you asked her to decide. You made that poor girl look at the monster you created, the monster she once tried to be kind to, and decide if he was more monster than human. It seemed the logical choice. That's all I needed to know. It took me three more shots to find the right part of the machinery to shut her down completely. The professor helped a little with some heavy pieces of lab equipment that worked the same way as a hammer. I'll admit it. 
I was too scared by the scaly thing to notice the really scary critter. I like to think I'm a man of reason and science, but when I saw the monster, I started reaching for the pitchforks. Bravery is acting when you'd otherwise be too scared to, but there's no guarantee you'll still like yourself when you take those actions. You've been listening to Detective Danger in the Amazon, Episode 3, The Ten Pests, produced by Seat of Our Pants Players, written and directed by Dan Wenzel. Music and sound effects by www.freesfx.co.uk with additional sound effects by freesound.org. Benny was Adam Gastingy. B was Jill Wenzel. The Amazon was Andy Gastingy. Professor Sparrow was Dan Wenzel. Miranda was Rebecca Scheimer. Freddie was Andrew Dell. Liz Music was Ariel. Claude was Rick Tennant. And Hero was Brianna Kuby. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you later.